Hello and welcome back to our sessions on biblical womanhood. We've been looking at the special responsibility and privilege the older women in the church have to disciple and train the younger women. While every Christian woman should be aspiring to this task, the last time we looked at the specific qualifications the older women are to exhibit before they teach the younger sisters. We learn that the more aged women should be sound in faith, in love, and patience, just as the older men are called to be. In verse 3, we're given specific qualifications for the older women. They are to be reverent in behavior, setting an example of godliness in their speech as well as their conduct. They're not to be prone to gossip, criticism, or the sowing of discord. They're to be self-controlled and therefore not enslaved to alcohol, drugs, or anything other than Christ. We learn that all of us should be growing in these areas because regardless of your youth, you will be in the future what you are now becoming. We, if we desire to mature in our walk with God, we must be diligent in these specific areas. Godly older women should be training the younger women in good, biblically sound things that would go beyond the seven specific topics mentioned here in Titus chapter 2. We should be teaching the younger women to grow in their understanding of Scripture, their prayer lives, and a multitude of other things. But I want us to turn our attention in this session to the first of the explicit things the older women are to be teaching the younger women. If you have your Bibles, please open up with me to Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Titus 2, 1 through 5. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women are likewise to be reverent in behavior not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. The very first responsibility the older women are given is to teach the young women to love their husbands. Now, I want to encourage you younger sisters to please listen up, even though you're not married, for you may be married one day, and it's all of us who have been married for any time would share with you that we wish we had known these things before we married. Also, you may find yourself in a position of counseling or biblically encouraging a married woman, even if you never marry. Notice that it's not written that we should teach them to love their children first. I believe we must guard against getting these priorities reversed, especially when you have young children in the home. I have a friend who speaks in a lot of ladies' conferences, and she says many women idolize their children and tolerate their husbands. What she means by that statement is that a lot of women, even Christian women, put the needs and wishes of their children above everything else. Their world revolves around the little ones 
and no sacrifice is too great to make for them. While they hold their children up as the most important people in the universe, they very often neglect their own husbands. They live in the same house with him, but put little or no effort into their relationship with him. Now, I realize that young children require a lot of time, energy, and attention, but you must be careful while you're caring for them that you don't forget about the human being who is to hold first place in your heart. Sometimes people want to know, how can we be commanded to love someone? They think you, you can't help who you love. And Hollywood would teach us to think this way, that love is a feeling that you have no control over. It's not something you can choose to do or work hard at. Love, in the Hollywood view, is when you can't stop thinking about someone who makes you have warm, happy feelings inside. But what do you do when those romantic, fuzzy feelings aren't there anymore? Well, we know what the movies have taught us. They teach us to just walk away, get a divorce, and find someone who makes you feel that way again. But that's an unbiblical view of love. We thank God for the gift of emotions, but biblical love is not just a feeling. It's much more than that. It is an action. In scripture, love is always exhibited in the action of giving. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. If you want to know what true love looks like, look in the scriptures. In Luke 6, 27, Jesus said to love your enemies. Did he mean to wait until you have warm, fuzzy feelings for them? Of course not. He told us exactly how to love them. He said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. So one thing we need to reiterate to the young women is that loving their husbands as well as their children really has very little to do with their emotions. Well, verse 5 tells us to train the young women to love their husbands. The word translated as love in this verse is phileo. It's used in the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It means to love as a dear friend. It's an affectionate friendship type of love that means to cherish, enjoy, and place value on your husband. We should love our husbands as our very dearest friends. We should love them by laying aside our rights and our demands. In other words, by dying to ourselves. Feelings are not dependable, but when you begin to invest in another person, you will begin to feel differently about them. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I know that he was speaking of money, but I treasure my time very much. And I find that if I will invest my time in someone, my heart will follow. We also need to realize that this is an unconditional command. It's not based on the worthiness of our husband. It's not something you should make him earn. So biblically and practically, how can we express love to our husbands? Well, first, we express love to them by showing them respect. 
The last part of Ephesians 5.33 says, Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Men desperately want to be respected, and they will never feel loved if they do not feel respected. Males were created by God to lead, and we females were created to lovingly submit to their leadership. So how can we show love to them in practical ways, show respect? Well, we show love and respect when we look to them to teach and instruct us. The Bible tells us to learn from our husbands at home. Now, I want to encourage you to read good, biblically sound books. That's wonderful. And of course, we should all be students of the Word of God. But don't forget to ask your husband when you have questions about the Bible. Go to him first. That will show him, it will communicate to him that you respect him. And even if he doesn't have all the answers, your questions may motivate him to dig deeper into the scripture. Perhaps you could even study the Bible together. When your husband reads the Bible to your family or has a devotional time, don't sit there like you're bored stiff and you can't wait for it to be over. Listen attentively and affirm him in what he's doing. Even on other issues, look to your husband for advice and counsel. You know we all feel honored when our opinions are valued. A second way you can show respect is by not correcting or contradicting your husband in front of other people. You wouldn't correct your pastor or a person of prominence before others, and yet your husband should be the one man to whom you show the greatest esteem. I've been in the presence of women who correct their husbands over the most minute details, things that really don't matter at all. In fact, I've been guilty of it myself. I'm more detail-oriented than my husband is, and there have been times when he would make a simple statement like, our sons are 6'4 and 6'5 inches tall, and I would be compelled to make sure that he is exact. So I would respond, no, honey, they're 6'5 and they're 6'6. Six, six, six. Or he would tell someone, we drove seven and a half hours to get to their church. And I might respond, well, actually, sweetheart, it took us eight and a half hours to get here. On a Saturday, several years ago, I went to a ladies' conference in the area where I live, and I attended it with a dear friend of mine who was speaking in one of the sessions. As I listened to her talk about the importance of building our husbands up instead of discouraging or humiliating them, I was convicted. She made the statement that she would never correct her husband in public, even if he said the moon was made of cheese. As I recalled my petty attempts to make sure my husband was precise, I realized, who even cares? Nobody cares if my son is 6'5 or 6'10. Those few inches don't mean anything to anyone except me. Well, there is one other person that it means something to, and that person is my husband. The person asking about our long trip was more than likely just making conversation, and he probably wasn't concerned if we drove six hours or 10 hours to get there. But those things, those exact figures, didn't matter to my husband, but the fact that I had interrupted him and I had corrected him and possibly embarrassed him before others did mean something to him. 
And as I thought back, I could remember seeing at times the disappointment on his face as I deflated his spirit, especially if he was in the middle of telling a story. On occasion, there may be a truly important matter that needs to be corrected, but be sure you speak in private with your husband about it. You show your husband respect when you listen to him. I mean, really, genuinely listen to him. You do this by looking him in the eye when he's talking and paying attention to what he's saying. And by all means, stay off of your telephone or other devices while your husband is attempting to talk to you. It's important not to interrupt him when he's talking. We all know that it's rude to interrupt anyone, but most of us have the common courtesy not to butt in when other people are speaking. Well, other people other than our husbands. Because somehow, we women often feel that we have the right to cut off our husbands in mid-sentence. It's also disrespectful to criticize your husband to other people. We need to learn to be thankful for our husband's good qualities and be quick to draw attention to those. We communicate love to our husbands by showing them respect. We also express love to our husbands by meeting their physical needs. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5 says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. There are many good purposes in the mind of God for the gift of marriage. But his, clear, his word is clear that one of those reasons the Lord gave us the gift of marriage is as a detriment, a deterrent to sexual sin. Your husband has a natural, God-given sex drive. Most men are bombarded with immodestly dressed women all around them. And you must always keep in mind that you are the only one who can righteously fulfill your husband's desires. You should never use the withholding of intimacy as a way to punish or manipulate him. You can show your husband that you love him by being affectionate and available to him. And one of the surest ways you can make him feel secure in your love for him is by letting him know that you desire him and that you are totally giving yourself to him in a way that can never be expressed to anyone else. A third way we show love to our husbands is by putting 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 into practice in our relationships with them. Those verses read, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This scripture passage is beautifully poetic. 
but what does it look like in shoe leather? How do we practically put this to work in our homes? Verse 4 says, love is patient and kind. Periodically ask yourself, am I patient with my husband? Am I kind to him? You show love to your husband when he makes a mistake, and instead of scolding him like he's a little child, you're patient with him. When you've had a long, hard day, instead of being rude and irritable with him when he gets home from work, you speak kindly and tenderly to him. When we yell at our husbands or speak to them in a harsh way, we fail to show them love. True love is kind, and you know most men want a sweet wife. Proverbs 21:19 tells us it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Proverbs 25, 24 says it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome woman. There are numerous references in Proverbs about how unbearable it is to live with an angry and argumentative woman. And I believe most men would agree with Solomon. They would li rather live in a tiny crowded apartment with a kind wife than in a large, beautiful mansion with a complaining, quarrelsome woman. Verse 4 says, love does not envy. You communicate love to your husband when you don't complain about what you don't have and you don't compare him to other men. Love is grateful for what he does provide for you. Ladies, do you thank your husband for working hard, for teaching your family the scriptures, or for helping with the household chores? My husband and I have been married for 45 years, but he still routinely thanks me for cooking his meals, washing his clothes, and cleaning our home. I thank him often for providing for us, for mowing the lawn and paying the bills, in order to express gratitude to our husbands, or excuse me, in order to express to our husbands that they are loved, it's necessary that we regularly express gratitude to them. Verses 4 and 5 also tell us love does not boast. It is not arrogant. It does not insist on its own way. You know, if genuine love is anything, it is unselfish. Matthew Henry said, love is an utter enemy to selfishness. Love does not seek its own praise, honor, or pleasure. Romans 12, 9 tells us to let love be genuine. And verse 10 says that one way we do that is to outdo one another in showing honor. One friend of mine who is also a conference speaker and author said she came into her office one day and saw two advertisements lying on her desk, one from a stationery company and the other from a large retail store that sells ladies' clothing. She said in big, bold letters at the top of both flyers were these words, it's all about you. And that's what our whole society yells at us. It's all about you. Look out for number one. Make sure you're happy and getting what you want. On top of that, our selfish, sinful natures tell us it's all about me. But if you profess the name of Jesus Christ, this life is not all about you. It's all about him. We show love to our husbands when we make, make it clear that humanly speaking, 
They are our first priority. We express love to him when we praise him and seek to make him successful, as the Proverbs 31 woman did. As his helper, you should invest your time and energy to help him succeed, and his happiness should only add to your own. In Proverbs 31, we read and we read of this remarkable woman. She was industrious and smart. She made wise investments and managed her household in an excellent way. But verse 23 doesn't tell us that she was known in the place of prominence. No, it says that her husband was known in the gates. She wasn't envious of his accomplishments. She was helping him to achieve them. Verse 5 says, love is not irritable or resentful. Love is not easily offended, provoked, or angered. We show love to our husbands when we're not moody or short-tempered. We should never make our husband feel as though he must walk on eggshells when he's around us. Love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. <coughs> Excuse me, love never ends. Here the apostle sums up this beautiful sonnet on the nature of love. <coughs> Excuse me. Love is disposed to conceal the faults and imperfections of others. It bears injury patiently and does not seek revenge. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love believes the best about the other person, not questioning their motives or charging them with guilt unless there is clear evidence. And no matter how bad things look, love holds on to hope. Well, sisters, we have only scratched the surface on how we can love our husbands. There are many other ways to express love to them, but this might be a good beginning for some. Ask the Lord to help you think of specific ways that would minister to your husband and make him feel special. The first part of 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that we can have all kinds of amazing gifts and mountain-moving faith. But if we don't have love, we are nothing. We can give away all we have and sacrifice everything, but it doesn't mean anything without love. Take away love and you don't have anything. Ladies, nowhere is that more true than in your marriages. Let everything else bow to the law of love and your home will be a place of peace and joy. The word of God will be honored and Christ will be magnified, and God will be glorified in our lives and our marriages as he deserves to be. Well, next time, we'll look at how we can teach the young women to love their children. Until then, may the Lord bless and keep you and grow your marriages strong and healthy for his glory and the sake of his kingdom.